Okay, so she sees them tomorrow to schedule when they're going to do it. Is that down here? Okay. Anybody else? Well, let's pray. God, thank you so, so much. God, for being so incredibly good. God, sometimes the storms just seem so dark. They seem like they last forever. They seem like they won't go away. Sometimes the situation seems hopeless, and it seems like there's no way out. And sometimes it seems like sickness will prevail, and the storms are going to be victorious. And, and then those two words, but God, comes into the equation, and things begin to change, and the sun begins to break through, and God, just things begin to look brighter. Father, I thank you for the miracles that we've seen you do, Lord, just in the past few days. But, God, there are many more miracles in need. And, God, I, Lord, I know even as Shannon's talking about the, the potential of finding cancer, God, it's just those initial thoughts of even thinking that it could be there and then the horrors of going through, Lord, and even Miss Peggy and to get tests, God, and then to have to, to wait on them and, Lord, to Steve today, Lord, I know they've called him cancer-free for a long time, and I know he's strong in his faith, but to know that they're going to run a test on that day to see if your brain cancer has come back, God, I know those things have got to, got to weigh in the back of your mind, God. I thank you for grace that carries us through seasons like that, and I thank you for your strong hand that, that protects and heals, God. And Lord, I pray you just be with each of these prayer requests, God. And Lord, even for joys mom tomorrow lord meeting and scheduling surgeries ahead and all the anxieties of things of planning ahead and looking ahead god i i pray your grace would be sufficient for all the needs god i pray your healing hand will be extended for everybody that needs a touch god i pray you meet with us tonight lord would you teach us something here from your word we love you god you've been good to us we thank you and we praise you in jesus name amen well acts chapter 14 pick up where we left off last week we um we actually were there at verse number 14. If you remember, um, Paul had healed the, the lame man. He was crippled since birth. Remember how the Holy Spirit told us three different ways that he was crippled. He's lame, he couldn't walk, and he'd been that way since birth. But then once the, the miracle happened and they saw this man leaping and, and walking and running, doing the things he's doing, then the people there in the city, they decided that, that Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're gods. They, they want to worship them. And, and so they've gathered out in the city and they're going to make sacrifices. They brought the oxen out and they're going to make sacrifices to these two men. In verse number 14, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions with you. So the people saw the miracle but they missed the gospel. If you remember, that, that's kind of where we finished up talking last week. They were so focused on the miracle that they focused on the one who called for the miracle rather than the one who sent the miracle. They called on the one who prayed instead of the one that he prayed to. They were going to worship the one that was crying out instead of the one that responded and gave the miracle. They, they saw it. They just got it wrong. We, if you remember, we were talking about how the devil changes his approach here in this city. In the first few cities that they go into, they're preaching and, and all this persecution comes against them and the Jews create all this turmoil against them and they throw them out of the city. But here the devil changes his, his attack plan. He, he, he begins to bring them in and, and have them worship. He, 
you remember we talked about how everyone has an internal desire to worship. We were born to worship. We were created to worship. There is something inside of us that will worship something. What, what he did here, what the devil did was he misdirected their worship. He took the worship that should have been given to God for healing the man and they misdirected that worship to a false god and, and tried to attach the name of those false gods to, to Paul and Barnabas. Remember I said last week, the people's praise and worship was well intended if their target was wrong. It's not the way they were worshiping that was wrong. It's what they were worshiping that was wrong. So it, we'll look in just a little bit more, but verse number 15 says, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions. He says, we're passions with you. We preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. With these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Now, now that's a big deal. This is some very religious people. They are worshiping all kinds of false gods. In that day, they had a God for everything. They had a God to make your toenails grow, a God to make your hair grow, a God to make it rain, a God to make your, your cake rise in the oven. I mean, they had all kinds of false gods. They didn't understand there's one true God that can handle everything. They had all these different ones. So this is a very religious group of people worshiping all these different kinds of false gods. But what we see is they are very serious about their desire to worship. They, they are very serious about coming in and giving sacrifice, trying to be accountable to a God that gave them something. They've been taught this stuff their whole lives about all these false gods and these Greek gods and goddesses and all the things that's there. So, so they, they believe this stuff and they want to make sacrifices toward them. Paul and, and Barnabas runs into the middle of their worship and says all of this stuff is nothing but vanity. You need to turn from the lies of men. You need to turn from the lies that you've been taught and you need to worship the one true God. Now, that's a pretty bold step. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You kind of get the picture of these people. They're all gathered up. I mean, they're hype, man. They're in full worship mode. They got the bulls out and they're ready to sacrifice some stuff. They got it all going on. And he runs right up into the middle of the street and he calls their gods false gods and he calls their worship vanity. Right in the middle of all that they're doing, it's obvious that Paul ain't too worried about being politically correct. Anybody say amen? We were all caught up there. Things got to be politically correct. You got to say, you got to be careful what you say, careful what you don't say. Y'all already know I'm not too good at that, but that's all right. Just help me with it. Paul, Paul's not running for election here. He's not looking for a popularity vote. He's not worried about offending anybody. He's interested in one thing. Reaching souls for Jesus Christ. He's interested in making sure that all the people in their confusion and in their mistaken worship, that they understand that there is a one true God in His Son, Jesus Christ, came. So here He's, he's preaching. He is in a 
full pagan city. Everything about this entire city is paganism and, and idolatry. All of the people are full pagans. They're all caught up in all of this idol worship. And he runs into the middle of it and he says, Your God is fake and your worship is vanity. Yeah, that probably quieted things off real quick, you think? So he says, Turn your worship to the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Well, isn't the long-suffering of God amazing? Anybody in here thankful for mercy? Thankful for grace? Thankful that God is a very patient God? These people... In all honesty, they are committing one of the worst sins you can probably commit. I don't know that it can get any worse than idolatry. Sin is sin. I, I get that. I understand that sin is separation from God. I understand that all sin is accountable, but I don't think anything can provoke God more than idolatry because it is the first commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength. We're to love God, put God first. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You can't put anything before God. It's the very first thing that God gave to his children. It's the very first commandment that you are to have no idols in your life. You are to worship nothing but God and God alone. And to break that is idolatry. Anything that we worship, anything that we put our focus toward he is idolatry. He said, he said, I, the Lord thy God, am a very jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the third and fourth generations. God does not share his glory. God does not share his glory. Now, there's just a little over half of what we had here last Wednesday night, so y'all going to have to be a little noisy to keep up. I guess I offended them last week. I got too many not here, but. That's all right. I'm just glad to see y'all here, but y'all gonna have to stay awake. Say amen every once in a while. Nudge one another. Just let me know you're still out there, okay? So, so God could have destroyed all of the inhabitants of the earth then, just like God could destroy all the inhabitants of the earth now, just like God did destroy all but eight inhabitants of the earth back in, in the days of Noah. God had every reason to, to destroy them. God had every right. Anybody know that God has every right to send you to hell right now? Any, anybody know that we're not going to go to hell, but it's only because of grace, and it's only because of mercy, it's only because of patience, it's only because of Christ. It doesn't change the fact that we deserve it. And it doesn't change the fact that if God changed his mind and sent us to hell, he'd still be right. Praise God, he ain't going to do that, amen? He had every right to destroy this city the same way he did Sodom back, back in the days of Lot. You, you see how the people are living. They have no real knowledge of the true God. Everything is about idolatry. He could have destroyed them, but praise God, grace always comes in abundance before judgment does. We have a very graceful God. You know, we, we live in a world today, people blaspheme God. People take the Lord's name in vain and think absolutely nothing of it. They, they, it's just like they think it's common language out of the dictionary. They, what's amazing to me is you can even take people that aren't in church and aren't Christians, but they blame God for the things going wrong in their lives, right? They blame God for what's going on in the country. 
They, they blame God for what's, for what's happening in America. They, they blame God for allowing COVID to come. They blame God for problems. Well, I mean, what did you expect when you start taking prayer out of the schools and you start murdering your babies and call it abortion? What do you expect when you break the laws of God? Should God not, not allow any judgment? But that's the world that we live in. It's got to be somebody else's fault, right? So I would blame it on God. We, we, we live in a world that denies the truth. We, we live in a world that tries to distort the truth. They try to distort the word of God, change the word. We live in a world that it's, it's not just the world. We live in a world that the Christians, well, yeah, casual Christianity. Many that call themselves Christians, and I, I, I don't want to go much further than that with it, but there, there's, an awful, there's an awful lot of people they call themselves Christians that are doing their best to bend this book to fit their life rather than bend their life to fit this book. This book is the straight line. There's no curves. There's no crooks. There's nothing out. This is the straight edge. So if we want our life to line up, this is the straight edge. But people try to take and get this book to bend to fit the crookedness of their lives. That's not what this book's for. This book is designed to keep us on the straight and narrow, to help us, to shape us into the image of God. But, but we live in a time, in a society, in a day that is doing the best they can to try and distort this book, to try to change it around. People, they, they turn their backs on God. They, they worship the gods of this world. You, you know, baseball, football, soccer, track, NASCAR, Come on, ladies, y'all can fill in the blanks in your stuff. Hunting and fishing. I don't have y'all stuff. Shoes, purses, perfumes. I don't know. Y'all got some stuff. I don't really look in the boxes. I know Amazon comes a lot, but I don't really know what's in them, so I can't throw hers in there. It, it don't have my name on the box, so I don't get to open them, right? We, we, we live in a, a world that is full of gods, and it's not just them. It's us. It's us. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just guilty as anybody. I love sports. I love competitive things. But if we're not careful, we'll put those things ahead of God. That, that's the society that, that we live in, but that's called serving the world. And if you, serve, if you serve an object that is in the world, then you're serving the world, which belongs to the devil. So it's the same thing as worshiping the devil. Do you understand how serious God can take that against us? Does it help us understand how long-suffering God truly is? So instead of pouring out wrath, God pours out mercy? Because, you know, the Bible is clear. It says, of such were some of ye. So of all the wickedness and all the vile and all that the Bible is talking about, he says, of such were some of ye. I think we can conclude that, all of us. I know I was. Buried, buried in all that stuff. That There's not one of us in here that can't look in our own lives and see how amazing grace is. Anybody say amen. Verse number 17, it says, Nevertheless, left not himself without a witness, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Verse 18, with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Paul says, nature itself 
claims the goodness of God. And God shows us in the rain and the seasons and all that he sends of the goodness of God. But then in verse number 19, we, we see the hatred of those that deny God. It says that there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Now, wait a minute. Certain Jews came from where? Antioch's over 100 miles away. You remember the first city that they preached in after getting off the ship and got up and set? Pisidian, Antioch, and then they taught there, and then the Jews stirred up confusion against them. You, you know what I see right here? It, it says that they came from, from Antioch and Iconium. That means they didn't just run them out of town as if they didn't want them preaching the gospel here, but they're following Paul and Barnabas. This heckling, this tearing down, this evilness of the Spirit has followed them for more than a hundred miles, stirring up trouble here against Paul and Barnabas. In every city that they've been there preaching, these Jews are there stirring up this trouble, running them out, following them to the next city. Listen, all that is a sign. Don't ever think that the devil is going to stop trying to keep you from serving God. Don't ever think the devil's going to give up. Wherever you're at in your life, wherever you're at in your service, wherever you're at in your walk, wherever you're at in your growing, whether how, how much you've grown, how little you've grown, don't ever think that the devil is going to stop trying to stop you. That didn't go over very good for a Wednesday night. Don't ever think that the devil's going to try to stop to pulling you out of the will of God, pulling you away. He doesn't want you to read this book. We've got a simple little challenge this week. Read John. One chapter a day. Should have read John chapter 3 today. Get up and read John chapter 4 tomorrow. You know, it's amazing for people that aren't reading the Bible daily, and this is new for them and exciting. I assure you the devil's making time very important right now. He's trying to make it hard. He's trying to keep that from happening. For those of you that have extensive reading habits and study habits and all that's there, and now you're just trying to add in one simple chapter. What, at three minutes? You're trying to add in one simple chapter, but the devil's making it where you don't even hardly have time to do what you normally do, much less put in something else. It doesn't matter what we do, how much you grow, how much you serve, we will never get to a point where the devil stops trying to take you out. And you see it here, he's using the Jews. We've talked about it a lot. The devil doesn't need the world's tongue. He's got plenty of tongues in the church. He holds plenty of Christian tongues in his hand and he wags them around all the time. Stirring up discord and creating confusion and stuff. And, and these tongues have followed them all the way up for nearly 100 miles. Here at Lystra, God has done a great miracle through the Apostle Paul. He has healed the, the, this lame man and, and he's got up and the people misunderstood the miracle. So they, they've misdirected their worship. Paul and Barnabas, now they've come in and they said, stop what you're doing. Everything is in, in vain. Now to them, you got to understand, God has just... I mean, Paul has just insulted their gods. Y'all with me? Everybody's still up? You get the picture, right? I mean, Mercurius and these guys, these are very real gods to them. They're, they're not. They're, they're makeshift nothings, but to them they are. And Paul come in and says, there's nothing to what you're doing. They have insulted the gods that they were prepared to give worship to, which means they have insulted their religion, which means they have insulted them. He said, what you're doing 
is vain. You are living in absolute vanity. All, all I'm saying, it's not going to take much at this point to get these people ticked off. Y'all know what I mean? It's not going to take much right now. You don't come in and stop our worship. You just killed our party we was fixing to have. And, and now you, 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 you're calling us vanity and calling our gods false. It's not going to take much to, to get them all stirred up. So here you have these Jews that have followed them for more than 100 miles stirring up trouble going, here's our chance to get rid of him. He's done stepped over the line now. He's done coming here and, and, and embarrassed these people. He's done come here and called them vanity. He's come here and, and offended these people. So, so it does, it's amazing how fast the scene has gone from a group of people that are wanting to worship and sacrifice to this man because they think he's a god to now they want to stone this man. Boy, isn't it amazing how fast the mentality of mankind can change. Having stoned Paul... It says, supposing him to be dead, that they carried him out of the city. So something I want to give you real quick. You can take this and study this yourself. I'll give you just a couple little pieces. We'll move on. But, but you, can, you can study and kind of make up your own mind as to what you think. The word suppose comes from a, a word that means to conclude from evidence. It doesn't mean to suppose as in, well, they thought he probably was or looked like he might have been. The word actually means to conclude from evidence. We see the word a few other times. Paul uses it a few other times. We see it in the story of the, you remember the Philippian jailer when the prison door swung open when Paul and Silas were singing and, and he came in and it says supposing, there's that word again, supposing all them to have escaped. The evidence said they had escaped. The, it had shaken the prison. The doors were open. The evidence said that they had escaped. Supposing that all of them had escaped, he was going to kill himself. And then Paul told him, do yourself no harm. We're, we're, all, we're all here. So, so we see the word used a, a few other times. Luke used the word in chapter 3 when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And, and the Father spoke, said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I'm well pleased. And Jesus began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. Well, he was I guess you'd say the stepson of Joseph. He was, Joseph was appointed, but that is the lineage of David. And that is the, the way that God set it all up. If you remember back in chapter 7 here in our study of Acts, Luke said in chapter 7, verse 23, that when he was full 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit the brethren, the children of Israel. So he's talking about Moses and seeing that one of them suffered wrong, to, that he defended him and he avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Said for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. So there's there's some there's some that say that Paul was probably hit in the head with one of these stones. He's probably not completely unconscious, and therefore they presumed him to be dead, so they drug him out of the city. That might well be true. We don't really know. There's others that say, based on the term that's used here in this word supposed, based on the terminology, they say that, that Paul was actually dead. Therefore, a season for a short window of time for God to, oh, we'll get this in a minute, for God to accomplish a purpose. And as soon as that purpose was accomplished, that God raised him back from the dead. So you can look in and, in and study either way. And I don't know that you can make up your own mind. I don't know there's enough evidence either way to show whether he's knocked out or dead. But what, what we have is, is the story. But some, something amazing here in this story, 
that I saw when I was studying it, and, and I don't know how many times I've overlooked it. I don't know how many times I've, I've missed it, but it's amazing how, how little nuggets can be hit in the Bible, but, but they're really, really important. Why would God have allowed the Apostle Paul to be stoned to death right here in this city? Make any sense to you? He's preaching the gospel, right? Souls have been saved in, in pretty much every city. He's leaving a trail of Christians behind him. He, he's coming in and, and, and all he's doing is trying to stop these people that are worshiping false gods and idols and, and, and they truly are living in vanity. He's trying to, to turn them around and get them to worship the one true God. Why would God have allowed the Apostle Paul to be stoned to death at this time, at this place? I never really realized it until I realized that those Jews came from over 100 miles away. Those Jews have been following them for more than 100 miles. That means everywhere that the Apostle Paul went, there's hecklers in the background. Everywhere the Apostle Paul preached, there's somebody tearing it down, somebody laughing it off, somebody stirring up trouble. Every time he got up speaking, every time he's trying to witness to somebody, there's somebody standing over to the side. Don't believe his lies. Don't listen to stuff. Everywhere he goes, there's somebody trying to stir up to, to get him thrown out of a city, or in this case, trying to, to get him stoned to death. So, so it says that the disciples, which would be the believers that were present, they, they circled around him. He, he got up, but notice he didn't run. He, he went back into the city straight back. The next day, he doesn't go into hiding. He goes right back to, to preaching. So that there is sufficient evidence to me in this that there's at least a great miracle happened. The next day after being stoned, supposed for dead, drug out of the city and cast out of the city, the next day he walks to Derbe nearly 18 miles away and preaches. Seemed like to me I'd be a little stove up. You know what I'm talking about? Seems like there's sufficient evidence to support that something miraculous happened that Paul got back up and went back into the city and he got up the next day and walked 18 miles up to Derbe, got up there and started preaching. It says in verse 20, how bids the disciples stood around about him. Right after stone, he rose up, came into the city. I probably should have read this text first. The next day, he departed with Barnabas to, to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel uh, to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch. So in Derbe, it says that, that many were saved. Many were, were taught. They established a church there, and then they went back to all the places where they had established believers and they went back through the cities where they had come up through the mountains preaching. They go back through setting up churches. Look, if you got your Bible open, look carefully at the text there at Derby and back through the cities and tell me who's missing. Those Jews. Those Jews that have been following them for over 100 miles. Those Jews that have been heckling and stirring up discord against them, getting them thrown out of cities. When, when they thought he was dead, they went back. I can't tell you why God allowed it, but I can tell you this. When they thought Paul was dead, you don't see him here anymore. You don't see those from, from back at the beginning. Follow them. They're gone, and so now they go with, with some freedom. They go with some liberty because they don't have these troublemaking Jews in the background stirring it all up. They thought he was dead, so they go back. 
Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're preaching without the troublemakers. They're, they're preaching without the hecklers. And it says that many souls were saved. Now, there are other ways back home from where they're at. They don't have to go back the same way. Remember, we talked about that when they were going up. There are certain ways to go, but possibly one of the reasons that John Mark abandoned ship and went back was Paul was going through the mountains. We talked about the robbers and the thieves and the brigades of, of thieves and all that was there and the way they went. They didn't have to go back that same treacherous way. They chose to go back the same way. Paul, Paul said, I'm going back through the, the same cities, and he went back and established churches because he knew he left believers there, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That's what Paul was teaching. That's something that seems to get very easily omitted or overlooked by a lot of today's real good, feel-good preaching. If you just go to church, if you just, if you just come here on Sunday morning and pay your tithe here, you can have your best life now. You can have everything you ever wanted. If you just make a cash donation to this church, God can fulfill all your needs. God will give you all your dreams. You will never have to go through. You got life on easy street. Oh, if you just come to church and pay your tithes here. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of prosperity preaching going on today. There's some signs out front that says it's a church. But inside, that they're telling you that, that you're not going to go through tribulation. You're not going to go through troubles. What Paul says right there is the same thing that says throughout the Word of God. He, he says that tribulation is coming. There's much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said in this world, ye shall have tribulation. Then he said that, that, that we are to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world, right? Let, let me ask you this. How many of you in here are born again, washed in the blood, sold out, children of God? Christian, going to heaven when you die. Ain't no doubt in your mind about it. You know that. How many of you in here as a Christian since you got saved has been through something in your life? Been through some trouble. Been through some trials. Been through some situations. And now God's brought us through them, amen, right? But there's no such thing as life on easy street for the children of God until the other side of the grave. It doesn't get any easier than that. We got something to look forward to, and I don't have to look ahead to look for my good life. Listen, I'm thankful right now, even in the midst of trials, of where God allows me to live. That God allows me to be a part of this family, a part of this group of people. But it doesn't change the fact that, that we're going to go through some things in life. Paul says, continue in the faith that we must go through much tribulation in the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with them, Prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Paul and Barnabas spent some time in the same cities that they were run out of. See, when they went through, they, they went through preaching the gospel, and, and they, there were some souls saved, there were some conversions made, but these Jews were pushing, following, stirring up trouble, so they ran out of town. But here coming back, the Jews aren't present now. And now they're coming back and they're pulling the converse together. They're establishing churches. Paul doesn't come in and point out doctrine. He, he's not coming in and, and giving them pharisaical law. He's not coming in and giving them 
customs. He's not coming in and giving them traditions. He's pointing them to the head of the church. And the head of the church is Jesus Christ. Paul comes back and says, set your worship, set your affections on God. And when they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Persia, they went down to Italia. They preached their way up through the dangerous mountains. They preached their way up through the terrains, and then they preached their way back. They, man, I wonder, I wonder when they got back to these cities, you know where those troublemaking Jews followed them from? And, and they got up there at Derbe, and they stoned him, and they thought he was dead, and they went back to their hometown. Y'all following me? They told everybody, we got rid of that troublemaker. We drug him out up there. We stoned him. He's dead. We drug him outside the city streets. You know, they did what they always do. They used the Gentiles, right? They, they, they used the Gentiles to do their dirty work. They said, we, we drug him outside of the city, and that cat's dead. We put a stop to that noise. I wonder how they explained it when he showed back up preaching. I wonder if that might have made some conversions when they showed back up in town talking the same gospel that they said on the way back that they said when they came through the first time. I wonder if a dead man preaching had any, had any difference in people's lives. I, I also, I don't see anything about the Jews coming up against them right here and running them out of town, do you? I, I don't know where they're at. They're sitting somewhere behind a rock with their tail tucked between their legs, I imagine. I just, I don't know. I just, I was thinking about it today. I thought, when they come back through, where are the Jews at? I don't see them here. They're not heckling. They're not running them out of town. They're staying in town. They're appointing pastors and, 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 and deacons. They're doing all this work. No, nobody's heckling them. I wonder where they're all at now. I can't say why God allowed them to be stoned, but I can see some benefits of it now. I, I can tell God accomplished some things going back. You, you remember on the way up, we talked about it, and it still stays as Paul's custom when he goes into a new city that he goes into the synagogue, right? We talked about it a lot. There's some people that at least believe in God, so there's some common ground. So on his way up, he's going into the synagogues and then getting thrown out for preaching Jesus. On the way back, he's establishing the church where everybody comes by to worship Jesus. On the way up, they were looking at the dangers that were ahead of them. They were looking at all the, all the adversity. They were looking at all the, the trials and tribulation. They were looking at all of the storm and everything that was up ahead of them. But on their way back, now they're looking at all the Christians that was left in the trail. The, the trail might not have been rosy. It might not have been pretty. They, they might have been getting some turmoil. They might have been getting, anybody know what I'm talking about? You get backlash for preaching. You get backlash for trying to live a Christian life in a workplace or in a world. You get, you get backlash for it. But when they came back through the places where the backlash was, they're finding Christians. So, so when, when they went up, they went through turmoil. But on their way back, they're establishing churches. There's testimonies of the goodness of God, that, that what God has done there in those cities. So before, they preached with dangers ahead of them. But now he's preaching with testimonies behind them. See, a lot of the things that we went through, like all the way back to the message, when your test becomes your testimony, God's doing something. God's doing something. Paul, I was, I was thinking about how he preached with those things ahead of him today and, and, and how now he has all the testimonies behind him for what he did. That, that should be the trail of our lives. That ought to be the kind of trail we're leaving. 
doesn't matter what kind of turmoil we're in. It doesn't matter what kind of situation we're in. It doesn't matter who rises up against us. It doesn't matter who tells lies against us. It doesn't matter who brings the people together to stone us. When we look back, there ought to be a, a testimony behind us. There ought to be a line of Christians behind us. Either say amen or oh me. Say something. It, when, when we're going through and we look back, there ought to be some evidence that we've been there. If we turned around and went back through, there ought to be some evidence that we've come through and preached the gospel. Verse 26, he sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So they've gone back to the church. They went back to the church that, that sent them out. The, the work has been fulfilled. They, they've been gone for about a year, a little more than a year on this first missionary journey. But now they're back at the church. Wonder what kind of revival that was. Wonder what kind of hallelujah shouting spell that, that might have been. I mean, can you even begin to imagine as the stories are being shared? Remember, remember it, it is Paul and company. Remember that? After that first time we saw it come back, it began to be called Paul and Company. For most time, it's called Paul and Barnabas. Or if you're not careful, you'll, you'll look over and call them Barabbas. But, but it's Paul and Barnabas. So, so, but, but remember, it's Paul and Company. Can you imagine the ones that traveled with them that saw all this? Can you imagine what they're telling? Man, you ain't never seen nothing like it. Now, I mean, think about the miracles. Because at every place that they went, they did miracles to, to further the gospel. Imagine, I mean, man, they're, they're talking about, well, we went into Cyprus. There's this sorcerer dude came up, Elimus. Paul struck him blind. He said, you ain't going to be able to see. Dude came up, man, acting like he's somebody. All that bag of chips, like he's got power. He might have had some power, but he didn't have nothing for God. Paul struck him blind. And then out of, the, out of that, the governor of the city got saved. Can, can you imagine him? telling the story about how when, when they went in and the Jews rejected them there at Pisidian Antioch and how they were thrown out, but then the, they turned to the Gentiles and the Gentiles came to Christ. Remember, this is all new. This is all new that the Gentiles can be saved. And, and the people tell about how, man, Gentiles just came in numbers and, and were getting saved. They, we went to Iconium and we saw a, a number of the Gentiles come to know Christ. And, and then, man, when we got to Lystra, they stoned Paul. Them Jews had followed us all the way up the hill for over 100 miles. Got up there and they stirred up all the people. Paul walked out in the middle of the street and told them people, man, y'all y'all live, live in vanity. Y'all's gods ain't no good. Ain't, that's a joke, man. You, you, you're against God. He walked dead out in the middle of the street and told them all that. They stoned him, carried him out, left him dead. Next day, Paul, Paul goes, we head on up to Derby. He goes to preaching again. Can you imagine the revival? I, I, I imagine ain't nobody laid out of church that day. I imagine some of them put off some fishing trips and some golf games. I imagine they probably made it a priority to be there to hear. You know, we got some stories in our lives that people ought to want to hear. God's done some stuff in our lives that people ought to want to hear. Amen. God's done some miraculous things. We got some stuff worth telling that, that people, if we do a good job of telling them, people want to hear it. I don't know, I don't talk about it. I just can't help but believe that, that the place was, was packed out. So, so it says that they abode there long time with the disciples. Man, we're fixing to get some fireworks going off, ain't we? 
Paul and Barnabas, they spent a little over a year here with the church. They come back, they're gone for a little more than a year on the missionary journey. They come back here to the church that ordained them to the church that sent out the first ever missionaries. They ordained them and sent them out and they went out and preached. They, they, they've come back and then when they get back here, we're going to see yet another tactic of the enemy. The, the devil's going, going to pull another one. He, he, he's already tried running them out of town. That didn't work. He's tried running the gospel out of town so that they can preach that. That didn't work because once the gospel was out, it pierced the hearts of men. Then we saw there where he tried misdirecting the worship. But because he, the devil knew that if he could get somebody to worship anything else, they're in trouble. Anybody hear that or did it in them one out the other? If the devil can get you to worship anything else, you're in trouble. That is misdirected worship, and God says, I share it with no one. So, so the devil used that one, but now he's stirring up false teachings. Here's the dangerous part. He's not ruling Christ out. He's just trying to add to. He knows if you try to take Christ out of the equation, if he comes in and tries to take Christ out, you're going to write that off. You're not going to hear that. If he tries to take the blood out, you're not going to hear that. If he tries to take the cross out, you're not going to hear that. So, so he doesn't try to rule him out. He, he begins teaching things like Christ plus. Chapter 15, verse 1 says that certain men which came down from Judea, imagine that, it started out up there around the mother church with all those Jews, all the ones that are still hung up in the law. And they came and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. What is that? Christ plus. They didn't say they didn't have to believe in Jesus. They didn't say that they didn't have to be baptized. They said that you had to be circumcised. See, that, that's another problem with the church today. It's not just watered down preaching. It's not just real good, feel good, telling you that you'll never go through problems. But, but one of the problems, it, it, we, we also have a lot of misdirected worship in today's world. Anybody agree with that? We've got a lot of people that are a whole lot more excited about the game coming on Sunday afternoon than they are church Sunday morning. We just get all up in the grill and go ahead and make it. There's a whole lot of people more excited about college football starting a Saturday or two away than they are about what God's doing here at the church. There's a whole lot more people excited about there's a national championship going to be played in January, February than they are about the fact that we just set a revival for February 19th through the 22nd. I can tell you who's coming to preach and I can tell you who's coming to sing and I can tell you all that and everybody's going to remember what day the national championship's on. And they're going to be pulling for their team. There's going to be a whole lot more excitement between now and February over college football than there is a church. Yeah, anybody agree with that? I'm just saying there's a lot of misdirected worship in, in society today, but there's also a lot of false teachings today. And they're coming from places that, that say they're a church, but if they're not teaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not a church because the church is the bride of Christ and we're the body of Christ. And anything that's not preaching the truth of Christ, it's not a church. It's an establishment. There, there are a multitude of people today teaching that there are many ways to be saved. No, there's not. There, there are celebrities talking about thousands of ways to be saved. No, there's not. 
You can do this and this and this. Well, we're all going to the same heaven. We're just taking different roads to get there. That is a lie straight out of the depths of hell. And people will buy into it because it takes the straight edge off. It lets them walk the crooked path that they want, believing that it's going to curb them back into heaven. I'm sorry, but it's going to trip you straight into hell. His name's Jesus Christ. There's not another way. But, but the devil can come in and change your word here. What did he do when he tempted Jesus? Did he not use this book? But he didn't quote it verbatim. He just changed the word here. He just tried to make it fit the situation. That's the same thing he does today. He, he's trying to teach Christ plus. That there are those days that, that teach if, if you do more works, you do different works, you get a higher level of of Christianity, you get a higher level of rewards. There are gifts to work for as a Christian. The Bible talks about the gifts. But that's as a Christian just working for the glory of God and doing things for Him. And for whatever reason, He does the work through us and then He gives us a reward for it. That's because that's just how good God is. But there are not levels of Christianity that you work to achieve. It is by grace and grace alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? Y'all still with me? They teach that there's works that have to be done to be saved and that there's works that have to be done to stay saved. No, there's not. It is the grace of God. So, so we, but what we see here, what we see here is coming out of the mother, the mother land of the Jews, coming out of Judea to where the apostle Paul and Barnabas are at this church, you see that same false teaching that we're hearing today. You're seeing the same kind of line coming up. Well, if you're not circumcised, you can't be saved. It's called Christ plus. It's against the word of God. It's against the will of God. It's against the perfect plan of God by the blood of Jesus Christ alone. Every one of us sitting here going to heaven because of what Christ did for us. We've accepted the gift and Jesus washed away our sin. Jesus made us righteous. Jesus made us holy. Jesus is the one that's going to come get us. Jesus is the one preparing a place for us. He's the one that will come get us and take us to where he is. Amen? But there's a whole lot of lies going on, but it ain't new. The devil's been using since the beginning. Well, we're out of time. I'm expecting a big old boom any minute. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for this book, God. Lord, your word says, if any man like wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. God, I like wisdom. Father, we come to you as a people that lack wisdom. Lord, I pray you give us wisdom and knowledge that we could go out and reach a lost and dying world. I pray you give us wisdom of the scriptures. I pray you'd give us a, a heart, God, a, a heart of love and compassion, but, but set on a, on a stone's edge that will not waver and will not bend, that knowing that this book is the line. Jesus Christ is the benchmark. There's not another mark. There's not another straight edge. It is the word of God and the son of God. Lord, I pray you'd help us, Father. We just want to be pleasing to you. Lord, we want to be used by you so that lost souls would be saved. I pray you'd help us, God. I pray you'd help us, God, to be pleasing to you in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.